Hello, I'm Dr. Amy Holdegay, a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist practicing in the state of Maryland. I am the owner of the Visionary Women's Health Practice in Columbia, dedicated to making women look and feel their best in innovative ways. In this podcast series, I am going to explore the unspoken and ignored problem of female sexual repression, dysfunction, and couple dissatisfaction in order to help you uncover the liberation, peace, and health that is possible in sexual alignment. This podcast series will address a topic that your gynecologist simply doesn't have the time to discuss. I merge my knowledge and skills as a clinician in the field of gynecology with sound psychological theories to elevate your experience. Here, I will give you insight, knowledge, and practical tools to show you that when you open yourself to a healthy sexuality, you open yourself to your best life. I'm Dr. Amy Holdegay, and this is Sacred Sex. Episode 1. Stop the self-sabotage, shattering your toxic beliefs around sex. In this first episode, we will start with the basics. Everything I will teach you in future episodes will have no fertile soil to flourish in if we don't work on the foundation of your sexual beliefs. We start forming them at a very young age, and they're informed by the people we love, the people we hate, our media, our religion, schools, our experiences around sexuality. My earliest memory of a message around sexuality was when I was about six years old. I put on my favorite pink shorts, and I remember my father asking me to change. When I asked why, he said, that my thighs were showing and that a proper girl like me should never show her thighs. As he said those words, I remember noting that my brothers were in shorts and that my older sister, with thinner legs than mine, was also in shorts. I deducted that girls had to hide their bodies and that some of us had to do it more than others. It wasn't until my early 30s that I realized that I had chosen to never wear shorts or skirts above my knees because of this childhood message. You see, the problem wasn't in the choice of not wearing shorts. Rather, it was in the meaning that I attributed to it. Girls, especially good girls, don't show their legs. So what impact did this message have on my sexuality? Well, It limited the exploration and sharing of my body because subconsciously, proper girls don't share their bodies with the world. So let's explore some common destructive beliefs around sexuality that I have encountered numerous times in my discussions with patients and loved ones around me. 
I call them the paralyzing beliefs that cause an entire cascade of thoughts and behaviors that will inevitably interfere with a healthy sex life. And it's important to identify yours. So let's dive right into identifying some of these unhealthy beliefs that interfere with the expression of your sexuality and how to overcome it. Something that's very common across women around the world that I counsel is this belief that good girls don't think about sex, at least not all the time. Another way of saying this is that asking for sex is slutty. A man's desire for sex is justified and excused by the testosterone theory, yet women have equally powerful hormones that run through their veins at various parts of their cycles and reproductive lives. In fact, women have a more complex set of hormones that interact and fluctuate with the possibility of arousing an unstoppable desire for sex. However, historically, it has always been important to repress a female sexual desires because of the economic and political need of ancient civilizations to know who was the father of their offspring. With the inheritance of wealth and power in the womb of a woman, men across the world felt the need to control it. We find this repression across time and through varied civilizations and cultures, an inherited paradigm that no longer serves us today. In modern-day messaging, these notions come through to us from all sides. For example, we are taught that a man doesn't marry the woman who freely wants and desires sex with him, but rather the woman who makes him wait for marriage, implying that the first woman is bad and will only be used and that the second woman is worthy of everlasting love. And whether we fully believe this notion or not, There are nuances or variations of this among all of us and sort of in the back of our minds. So how do you know that this is among your subconscious beliefs? You will know that you hold this belief if you are hesitant to ask for sex, for example, or if you believe your partner should always initiate it, if you are hesitant to admit that you've been thinking about it to your partner or maybe to your friends, or if you refuse to admit to friends that sex is important to you. Or perhaps if you judge other women for having sex frequently or early on in their relationships, whatever that means for you. If this is among your sex beliefs, reframe your thinking by reminding yourself that sexual desire and interest is truly a natural gift of nature. And that when it arises in you, there is no reason to attempt to repress or quiet it. Remember the origins of this repression, knowing that it does not make you any more promiscuous than you were a minute before the desire came over you. We are fully capable of directing this desire into healthy channels and relationships. The next common belief around sex is the idea that sex equals intercourse. This belief is so widespread and for obvious reasons. It's one of the most limiting beliefs around sex for both men and women, believe it or not. We all enjoy intimacy that does not involve intercourse, of course. However, deep down, most of us believe that intercourse is the real sexual experience, the main course, somewhat the plat du jour. So much so that we subsequently place the power of how good a sexual experience is on the man because he is the bearer of the penis and he drives vaginal penetration. The consequence is we use big words like impotent, i.e. 
powerless, when a man is unable to have or hold an erection. Stripping him of everything that makes him an otherwise powerful and amazing lover. We judge how good the sex in a couple is based on how well the man leads and performs in bed. This belief can become so paralyzing for a man and so reductionist for the couple that other aspects of a satisfying, intimate partnership are sometimes sacrificed in favor of the penis. The pressure to perform can limit a man's ability to get or maintain an erection in certain situations. He also will feel a stronger urge to power through the experience and get his partner to climax rather than simply focusing on enjoying the foreplay and the actual experience, which is essential for a woman's satisfaction. You will know that this is a limiting belief for you if you judge how good the sex will be by, let's say... The, man, the size of a man's penis, for example, sounds familiar, or perhaps how long his erection lasts, or you sort of sit back in your sexual experiences and watch how well he satisfies you during intercourse. So if this is you, and this is many of us, imagine this. What if a sexual experience could be the pleasurable sensations that run from the top of your head to the tip of your toes? And I'm not talking about an orgasm. Stroking, blowing, sucking, touching, caressing, rocking, rubbing. The list goes on. I tell my patients that the sexual exchange should be gauged from the moment you begin to physically interact with your partner through conversation, perhaps dinner, breakfast, activities, your morning hug, etc., Every word, touch, hug, gaze, kiss will build an erotic moment that can create the sex of a lifetime, perhaps that same night. So when you cuddle up in bed with your partner, shift your focus away from the idea that every touch is meant to get you excited enough for intercourse. Rather, see every touch as a standalone exchange that you focus on and enjoy for what it is and expand on. Bring your awareness back into the current sensations running through your body and the desires that arise accordingly without any expectation for penetration. A patient of mine who fully embraced this told me about how she and her husband kissed for an entire hour for the very first time before making love, giving her a strong sense of connection and removing the pressure and giving both of them the strongest orgasms that they have shared together thus far. You will naturally begin a journey of allowing the sexual experience to flow through you rather than trying to force it into something you think it should look like. So let's hit on a few more of these paralyzing beliefs that I want you to search within yourself. Another paralyzing belief that sort of ties into what we were talking about is the idea that the goal of sex is orgasm. This sexual belief is nearly universal, and who doesn't want to orgasm? Although it is possible to achieve it with every sexual interaction, when the focus is on the ending explosion, the delicious sensations leading up to it, some almost equally as powerful, are sort of lost in the mix. So again, shift your paradigm. Your goal should be to connect to the sensations in your body, 
to connect with your partner's body and enjoy the sensations that are running through you in that moment of exchange. I guarantee you that if you can master this alone, removing the expectation of orgasm and simply enjoying the delicious exchange, your sex life will get to a whole new level of satisfaction. Another common belief is that masturbation is dirty. Now, this is very, very common. I used to hold this belief as well up until I started to learn more about what sexuality meant and how it was um, healthy um, for women and couples in general. It is taught by almost every religion known to man, and the act of masturbation is associated with shame in the media. The unspoken belief is that men who masturbate are incapable of finding enough partners to satiate them, and women who masturbate are perhaps ill with this unstoppable desire for endless sex. And we attach words and images like uh, creep or pervert, disgusting perhaps, when we think of another masturbating. Despite this, studies have shown that over 70% of Americans give in to the natural desire to masturbate, but feel ashamed or guilty. You know that you hold this belief if you feel an overwhelming sense of guilt or perhaps anger, maybe shame after masturbating, or worse, you simply just go out of your way to repress the desire to masturbate. Consider that studies have shown that masturbation actually improves health. Psychological data shows a correlation between frequent orgasms and stable mental and emotional health. And if that isn't sufficient to sway you, consider the basis in which the idea that masturbation is wrong is rooted in across religions all over the world. Well, freely allowing both men and women to masturbate without control was feared to threaten the necessary coupling required for procreation. For women, the fear that this may lead to promiscuity again threatened the possibility of being able to know for certain which man fathered which offspring. And this, as previously mentioned, has huge implications on the inheritance of wealth and power. Consider the act of masturbation as a private moment or sanctuary where you can take your time and indulge in your imagination and the exploration of your body. It is an opportune time to better understand your sexual fantasies. Take note of what turns you on and what turns you off. And we'll probably spend a little bit more time in some later episodes on this topic. So if you believe that masturbation is bad, see how this can naturally lead to the unconscious belief that prioritizing your pleasure or giving yourself pleasure is wrong. The final but important belief that I want to tackle here and that I want to mention is the idea that daily or frequent sex is impossible. I can almost universally say that the majority of my patients feel this way and this spans across all age groups and all socioeconomic statuses. The assumption with this belief is that life has other priorities that far exceed the importance of sex, and therefore sex can be sacrificed in the race for time. I know because I used to be one of the people who felt very strongly in that fashion. I always tell my patients, you will make time for those things you prioritize. So if sex is not a priority, then yes, life will serve you enough to do that you will never have time to get to it. So from this moment forward, 
Consider sex as a vehicle of energy exchange between you and your partner that will give your couple renewed life, understanding, and unconditional love. If you understand that sex is a pillar of healthy relationships and that without it, the strongest relationships can lose their spark and internally crumble to the ground without anyone knowing, then you will prioritize it as much as you do your need to make money or care for your children. Prioritize sex and your creativity will make room for it in your schedule. In later episodes, we will tackle how to handle specific life situations such as having little children or working long hours, to name a few. So I'm going to end this episode by giving you a very quick practical exercise that I want you to do either right now or if you're driving, perhaps once you're seated and settled. I want you to grab a piece of paper and at the top of this paper, write the question, when do I feel uncomfortable about sex? I want you to create two columns below. In the first column, you are going to list all of these instances. For example, is it when talking about sex with your partner? Is it when sex is brought up with friends? Maybe at a comedy show? Is it when talking about sex with your doctor? Maybe when you come across a sex toy or pornography? When your partner asks you to try a new sex position? Or perhaps when your partner wants or is giving you oral sex. Whatever it is, list all of them in the left-hand column. In the second column next to each instance, I want you to brainstorm on the possible beliefs that cause your discomfort. For example, if sex is uncomfortable when you see pornography, could it be because you believe that the enjoyment and desire for a sexual experience is not godly or religious in your mind? If talking to your partner about sex is uncomfortable, could it be because you fear that admitting your preferences may make you appear promiscuous in his eyes? Or maybe going back to the belief that good girls don't think, let alone talk, about sex. Whatever the situation, take a few minutes to simply jot down the discomfort, then explore quietly and privately what your beliefs around sexuality may be. Your list will be the beginning to opening the secret door to the garden of your sexual alignment. Thank you for listening and join me next time for episode two, where I will help you understand the beauty that lies within the human anatomy and how to leverage this in sexual experiences. I'm Dr. Amy Holdegay and this was Sacred Sex.